Hi, and welcome to PostBurnout.com interviews. PostBurnout.com is a culture website dedicated to venerating burnt-out artists the world over. My name is Aaron Kavanagh, and I'm the website's founder and editor-in-chief. This is our website's podcast, where we interview people from various artistic disciplines. These episodes are sometimes full-length interviews from our site's articles, and other times exclusives. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. And if you're new here, thanks for checking us out. We hope you'll like it and stick around with us. In this edition of PostBurnout.com interviews, we talk with Ava King. Ava is a pop musician and producer based out of LA. She talks to us about her new debut album, Sex Money God, which released at the beginning of February, and its themes of exploring fake idolhood. She also talks about her showcase at the Upright Citizens Brigade, her background from growing up in France, moving to China, and then back to the US, and becoming a musician after working as a producer. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Ava. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. Oh, just so you know, my name is pronounced Ava, but it's totally Ava, fine. Okay. <laughs> and your name is pronounced Aaron, right? Is Aaron, that yep. like all right? Got it down. <laughs> yeah. How's your day going? Good. It's very nice to talk to you. It's uh, ten o'clock here. <laughs> oh whoa! Wait, where are you? Dublin. Oh, Dublin. Okay, <laughs> yeah. got it, got it. Wow. Well, thank you so much for for making the time to meet with me, even though it's so late at night I, for you on a Friday night. I have no sleep partner. It's fine. <laughs> you have no what? Sleep partner. It's fine. I just sleep, sleep pa- party? pattern. Pa- oh, pattern. sleep pattern. Oh yeah. man. Sorry, this my my accent's got to become a huge issue. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. I I am currently lacking a sleep pattern too. So we are oh. on the same page. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there's a lot to kind of dive in with with your career. Um. I guess like before we even kind of like uh, get into that, I'd, I'd like to just kind of ask like, um, what was your kind of like, uh, as like a young person, I guess, like what was the kind of thing that got you into music? What made you kind of uh, interested in, in music as a craft? Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Well, when I was little, I was an I grew up as an MTV kid, yeah. so I grew up on Britney Spears and baby one more time and that was really fun and I also really loved musicals my parents just played a lot of musicals singing in the rain um a bunch of those and yeah so just growing up I mean we would always try and put shows on for my parents I wrote I wrote various songs and some actually then ended up being I don't know just copies of other songs but I thought they were mine and all of that stuff um but it was it was really fun yeah and then Later on in my late 20s is kind of when I I always loved singing, but kind of put it to the side. And then in my late 20s was really when I was like, OK, hold on. I really actually just want to learn more about the craft of producing and how to make music. And so that's why I came to L.A. Yeah, actually, before that, what was your first uh, instrument that you would have played? Piano. Yeah. OK. Very, very, yeah, very lucky to, um, yeah, just have parents that that wanted me to learn how to play classical music and I think the best the the I can't play like that anymore but the sort of my the best that I got to was starting to play the Rachmaninoff what okay. was it the symphony the concerto oh the one the one that's so romantic the one that's kind of the um I think it's concerto number three or symphony number three or something like that but I can I can message that to you perfect <laughs> um yeah so like that's so how old you've been like um, um learning music initially i guess like learned piano well i was very lucky i grew up in france and i don't know yep. how things are in ireland but in france music classes are like i almost want to say they're almost free 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely we not this have, case here. <laughs> no, yeah, they, no. We, we just have, it was so lucky that, that my mom decided to raise us in France. So she would just, yeah. and it's like the, the music conservatory is just kind of a place where when you don't know what to do with your kids, you just drop them off at the music conservatory. Yeah. And for like <laughs> 10 bucks, they just, they can stay there in the evening and take music classes all night. So I was very, very lucky. <laughs> um, that I guess that my mom didn't want to see us that much in the evenings, but no, I'm, I'm, I kid, I kid. It wasn't that many nights a week. Um, but yeah, so I think I was, I don't know, I'm guessing like 11, 12. Yeah, yeah when that all started. So, I mean, you, you moved around quite a bit. You mentioned you, you grew up in France and then also uh, I believe you moved back to the States and then um, you moved to China and then back to the States again, if I'm getting the <laughs> chronology correct. Um, yeah, but it was kind of like... Uh, my, my understanding of kind of like a, of your background was that it was when you were in China that you started studying uh, online at Berkeley. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for reading about that. Yeah. Um, I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As we, as we call it in 12 step programs, I pulled many geographics Okay. <laughs> <laughs> where we're just like, Oh, the problem is just that I live in this city it probably won't be over there. Right. And then of course your problems follow you wherever you go. Um, but yeah, no, I, so yeah, I, I was born in France. Then I came to the States for college. Then I decided I wanted to live in China for a little bit, which turned out then into 10 years living over there. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, and then I was very, again, a lot of luck. I, I, I had some success over there as a TV host. Yeah. So I had, you know, and the cost of living there is so low. So I had these savings. And at that point, China had just started its policy of like, you can't, it was starting to control its currency. So you couldn't send money outside of China as a foreigner. Like I think one, I think only I could make like one transfer a day or like one transfer a week for like 500 bucks, something like that. Okay. But there was a loophole called PayPal. Okay. (laughs) I could get as much money as I wanted out on PayPal. And, and coincidentally, the Berkeley online school of music accepted PayPal as a payment. Yeah. So So. I just got to use a a lot of my savings to just go to every single class, literally almost, almost on Berkeley online. And then just after I finished the China closed the loophole and you couldn't do that anymore on PayPal. Oh no. (laughs) So So. just got in just right in time. (laughs) Just right in time, man. Perfect. I mean, like, I'm wondering, like, what was it kind of like about music production that kind of, um, uh, that kind of like attracted you, and and just general, like, um, uh, what was kind of like the, the sort of producers that you kind of, um, um, I don't know, the kind of music you were listening to that actually kind of initially, uh, made you wear production as like uh, as an art. Yeah, that's such a that's such a great question. I mean, I think originally. I was thinking sort of when I got to my late 20s, I'd had a career as a TV host for about a decade. And I kind of felt like I was, I was, I just kind of felt like, oh, I kind of achieved what I, what I could achieve there. Mm -hmm. Like, to be honest, I wasn't too, too passionate about being a TV host. So I was at a level that was like amazing. Like, you know, I was was compensated and, and had a great lifestyle. But to, just to get to that extra rung, I kind of really needed to be so passionate about it. Um, yeah. And I was like, 
So initially my thought was like, uh, maybe I, I kind of need to leave. I had just broken up with my five year long boyfriend at that time. And I was like, maybe it's time for me to start thinking about how to get to the States. Yep. And initially I was thinking, okay, I'm a TV host here, but like nobody knows me in the US. Like I'd be starting out from zero. I knew, I always knew I had a passion for music, but I didn't believe that people would like my voice enough to hire me okay. and to be able to make a living off of it. So I said, okay, what's, what's kind of the thing in music that I'd be most liable to be able to make a living off of? <laughs> and it's the thing that you need like the more education skills for, right? So that's, that's where production kind of came in. So initially I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to learn how to be, it was, my mind then was very convoluted instead of just doing what I want to do. I was just like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this so then I can do this. And so then I can, it was just that, but it actually, I'm really grateful for it because I really did through taking all those classes, I just really discovered a passion for, for production and that you can, you can kind of make a song out of anything. You know, yep. you can make a song out of plant sounds. You could make a song out of water draining. You could, yeah. it's like, it, it, it just brings song. It, it's just like, you can be endlessly creative as a songwriter, but like, if you're a songwriter and a producer that kind of 10 X's everything in terms of what you can do creatively. Yeah, it's also interesting. You can also synthesize any sound too, pretty much. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. And then, and 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 then, of course, you learn. You learn that learning about music is is a never. It's like a never ending. Yeah. <laughs> black hole, where you you could just spend your whole lifetime learning about synthesis. Yeah. Um, and and I. <laughs> I have not, I've not done that yet. <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually kind of like a huge barrier of entry perhaps for, for like new musicians or people who just want to work in the music industry is that I, I find like um, for a lot of people I interview, there, there tends to be kind of um, somewhat of an anxiety about like, well, I, I need to kind of hone my craft a bit more before I can actually start releasing stuff or putting stuff out. But I find like a lot of times um, once kind of artists start just doing it and just like releasing stuff, even if it's not, you know um um the definition of perfection or whatever it's still like it's it's better to have stuff out and and you know than than to not i guess um just yeah. to put it very simply no, um, i was really... wondering do you feel that way too yeah i was gonna say i really agree with you like i well i would say i would say yes and no like i think at the time i was way too much of a perfectionist i was so yeah. scared about everything in life that it was like, I have to be 100% in control and know what happens and know what I'm going to do, right? And I found that that was very useful for when I was in the studio and people were talking technically. I wasn't overwhelmed because I was like, oh, they're doing that with the EQ. They're, you know, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a mystery to me. So that was helpful. But I think I wasted a lot of time when I could have just been writing and releasing. Yeah. So I kind of, I'd say I lean more towards your point of view. When uh, you were growing up, did you uh, record any of the music you made or uh, was it all just kind of like, I don't know, for family and friends or how was that? Yeah. I, did I record anything? No, I did not. I did not. Okay. I just kind of just like played on the piano and was like, mom, <laughs> I made a new song. <laughs> I was like that with guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then my mom would have to, I don't know what I was doing. I was like, probably just like, 
I don't know what I was writing about. She's probably had to stand there very patiently. <laughs> like, okay, yes, three more minutes. And then I have to say, this is amazing. Yeah, they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to her credit, my mother was just so, you know, she's passed away a few years ago, but she was just such an amazingly encouraging force around art. You know, I just really, really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the first product then that you that you um, produced or that you worked on um, in in terms of engineering? Ooh, so I got I got lucky that I um, God what was the first project. Oh man, I want to say I want to say oh Mc, McKinnon. Okay. He was written about in the New York Times and like I McConan, McKinnon. I kind of want to find his name because he was kind of like not a not a not a huge, huge, but a, a, a pretty well-known person mm -hmm. at the at the time. And then so random. I got to LA and I just wanted to make friends. So I got on Bumble because there's a, a version of Bumble just for making girlfriends, which is yeah. awesome. BFF, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bumble BFF. Yeah. Um, so I met a girlfriend on there, and then she at the time was dating a producer who was being represented by this agency. And then he just sent them some of my songs and they liked them. So then they started putting me in sessions with various of their artists to kind of test me out. Okay. McConan, I think it's McConan. M A McConan artist. McConan rapper. Yeah, I love McConan. Yeah, he was the first session I did. I can I uh, it's I love it's I L O V E Amazon okay. Madonna A K O N N E N as in like the, all, the three last ends are N as in Natalie. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I had a he was the first he was kind of the first session that I was placed in um yeah, it was very interesting. It was a good experience. Um, very, very anxious and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I realized, I realized after that, that I think, I don't know, this might change. I need to work on my perfectionism a little bit more, but I think I might be too much of a perfectionist to be one of those like in session producers that I really admire. Like yeah. the artist is there in front of you and you're just kind of producing on the fly in front of them. And <laughs> you're just responsible for the whole vibe. And um, I've done that a few times and it's just, uh, it's really put me through the ringer. <laughs> so do you like kind of having them, the stamp on other people's music? Are you content to kind of go like, well, this is yours. I'm kind of, you know, going to step back. Cause I know from, uh, from production sample, when, when it came to other people's music, I mean, um, yeah, sometimes you get producers who have that, like, I don't know, kind of um, uh, different attitudes about that, about how much of a personal stamp they add on other people's music, you know? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, so I was very lucky that I, um, I kind of met and was mentored by a producer called Rob Cavallo, hmm. um, who's, who's quite a big name in the industry. And so kind of his, uh, his lineage of, of mentorship is kind of, you really offer up whatever the artist wants on a, on a silver platter yeah. like this is this is the artist's show this is their vision and you're yeah. kind of there to be of service um i think and and also 
I don't know, this might, this might sound a little bit weird, but I've, I've just personally always loved kind of learning, or I don't know, I've just always loved copying. Okay. It's going to be like, you know, but not, not definitely, not, not like, I hope this quote doesn't get taken out of context. I'll quote fully. I won't do it. I won't do a hit job. Because that would be, that would be interesting. But the full quote would be, you know, I really love it when artists, they give me references and I just kind of get to study because often artists will be like, oh, I want to create a new genre that's like bossa nova meets metal yeah. something like that right and i just really love studying like studying the genres studying the bossa nova and just like figuring out how to meld those together so i wouldn't say i'm not i don't think like if you just gave me one reference i don't think that's really necessarily what i like but if you give me more than one reference i just really like incorporating different elements um, you know, sometimes will be sometimes people will be like, oh, I want I want Elton John strings on this, you know, so I'd spend an afternoon kind of listening through Elton John's music and just really getting his string sound and the composition down like I really, I really love I mean, I do I do love writing songs, but maybe as much or even more than writing songs. I just love being a student of music. Yeah, yeah, actually, it's um. It's kind of interesting. So from from production, then um, I believe you started working as a. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm getting the chronology wrong yeah. or anything, but I believe from there you started um, doing kind of session musician um, and kind of like doing um, uh, vocal tracks for other people. Um, I, I don't know if you've done instrumental for other people as well, but um, I, I know that you started uh, working with other people's music too. Was that kind of um, the first like stepping stone to uh, doing your own music, or am I getting the timeline kind of mangled? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, no, and, and and thanks again for for asking. Um, so honestly, it was all at the same time. Yeah. It was just like when I got to LA, I was like, how the fuck am I gonna make ends meet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, very thankfully, I was blessed with American citizenship, so I didn't have to work about worry about a work visa. Thank God, because mm -hmm. I have so much admiration for people who don't have that that opportunity or privilege. Um, yep. But. But yeah, and I was just like, man, I've just got to hit the ground running and say yes to everything. And that's something I heard. I went to the ASCAP, um, the ASCAP conference, and oh, there was this big singer there. Anyway, he was just like, when I got here, I just said yes to everything. He yeah. was like, people wanted a trumpet on a track. I did not know how to play the trumpet. I would learn how to play the trumpet. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of just took that that kind of thing. People would say, can you do this? Like. Um, I think one of my first gigs actually more on the writing singing side was just this guy that 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 put up oh man this is so funny they, they, he just put up an announcement on some forum and then a friend of mine saw the announcement and then I ended up meeting this guy, random guy at Starbucks at 3 p.m. in the middle of like studio like nowhere on the side of the highway basically uh, in the hills and he was like yeah can you just do can you just write and sing 12 songs in Chinese? I'm like, bet. I'm like, <laughs> I'm down, you know? And then that, and then th because of that project, then I got brought into Warner Brothers because it was an album for them. And then okay. at the time they were doing Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. So they were like, hey, we need somebody who knows Chinese and who knows how to songwrite to kind of like help us with the music on this. I was like, cool, bet, <laughs> you know, I'm down. Like, 
it was so cool to have all these different, you know, to just say yes and just have all these different opportunities and, and really get to see a lot of different sides of the music industry. Yeah, I think so. uh, I heard you mention before that you think the, like the music industry actually uh, is a lot more uh, kind of accommodating than people might expect. I mean, I think people um, have a very laser focus in terms of what it is they're trying to achieve in, in the music industry. But if people are a little more kind of um, uh, willing to adapt or, or are willing to try new things, really, um, you can kind of find that there is like a, a kind of a, a plethora of opportunities that you might initially yeah. expect. Like, did you want yeah. to do um, movie soundtracks to begin with? Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, did I want to do, and, and so just, I, I realized I didn't ask your, answer your previous question. So, but then at the same time, I'm, I was like saying yes to everything. I was also setting aside time to work on my, on my artist project and, and start, you know, piling those songs up in my computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did I always want to work on movie soundtracks? I mean, I think when I came in initially, I was like, oh, I just, I want to be on the label side. I want to be in those cool sessions with the big artists and I want to do that. And then kind of quickly, I realized like, oh, maybe I'm not cut out for that. Okay. Like I get, I get very intimidated very easily. Um, and I, I, I was placed in a lot of those sessions and I did my best and, and, you know, got some cuts and, you know, got some production credits with labels and everything. But, yeah, but reflecting back on it, I, I, I don't think I had the self-esteem at the time. I don't, I don't know if I had the self-esteem today to do it. Like those sessions are so incredibly intense for me for some reason. So when it kind of came to, to making your own music, then, um, what, what were you kind of like uh, listening to and, and um, was, uh, I guess what, what you wanted to make with your own music was influenced by um, the people around you at the time or was it totally um, was it totally detached from that or, or how did that kind of come about in terms of what you wanted to make under your own name? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I just listen when I'm thinking about making my own music. I mean, it used to be a lot what tracks were inspiring me. Mm -hmm. So I was really inspired by Cashmere Cat at the time. It was like a producer. Mm -hmm. um really inspired by him um so i made a kind of a few tracks that were in that vein <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was really wait what's the party rock oh uh, party rock yeah i don't know yeah. why i really <laughs> like their production too i was like that's cool um yeah so i think for me yeah, I think for me at the time, I was really, really in that phase of my life where I was kind of a student in production. Mm -hmm. um, very inspired, still very inspired today by K-pop. Because okay. it's just yeah. it's just harmonically, melodically so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like texturally, it's just like, oh, wow. I'm listening to the new K-pop songs. It's like in pop songs here, you basically have like maybe a max of two different types of productions. Yeah. There are songs, there's like four or five different sections. Just like, what yeah. is this? It's actually really, it's actually really cool. I'm just like, wow, the new generation of Korean teenagers are just really, have really, like, really refined taste, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was very, I was initially, I, I you know, I really love K-pop chords. So yeah, initially I was very inspired by that. And then 
today when I make music, I think I like for my own artist project, it's changed a little bit. Like I've kind of started really becoming a little bit more, um, I kind of just more invested in what I want to say. Yeah. Like, what do I want to say with this song? You know, what do I, yeah. Like, how do I, how do I want to, yeah. What do I want to communicate, you know, and, and kind of the production and the songwriting has been more at the service of that. That's an interesting um, uh, means of kind of going about songwriting for kind of like uh, seemingly like working from production backwards, because I, I know most hours I talk to, it's kind of like, you know, they write the songs and, 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 and then like after the fact kind of production becomes um, a factor and they see how much production can kind of elevate their work after the fact kind of, mm-hmm. but yeah, to kind of like look at it from the perspective of here's what I want to sound like from a production standpoint to, to have like uh, producers as, as your reference point, I think is like uh, I know I think it really got to show like um well first of all the, the variety in ways that someone can write a song but I think also um you know just like how how other people's um kind of education with music and other people's kind of experience in music can can um you know vary in such like different ways yeah exactly and like what people what part of the songwriting process is like the most fun for people mm-hmm. you know like I, there's a lot of people that just like sitting down at a piano and just being like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to write a song from my heart while I'm playing the piano. I'm just going to kind of, I've never, that's really cool. I would love to be that kind of a songwriter. I don't know if I'll, maybe I might be that songwriter one day, but right now it's kind of like, Oh, I'm really, I'm really pissed about this. Or I'm really like, I'm, I'm really obsessing about this. Okay. I want to write a song about this. Like, and then I go on splice. And I'm just like, okay, like what, what sounds can I find that kind of go under this? And then I'll just build the track out and then I'll be like, okay, what kind of a melody? Like I write them. Well, I generally start, I always write the melody and the lyrics separately. Yeah. Like I know a lot of songwriters are very talented songwriters that will be able to write two at the same time. I'm just like, all props yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah. This girl here is going to write them separately because I don't want to be in a studio session trying to rhyme love with dove for an hour. Like it's not, no, it's not yeah. happening. Um, yeah, but it's cool. When I was a, a little angsty punk rocker, when I'd write my kind of like social commentary, that was really bad. When I was like, te- like I'd left, well, when I was like 15 or something, it's just like, but trying to uh, solve all the world's problems. But like, I would Aww. like write the lyrics out kind of like as prose, basically. And then when it actually came time to kind of incorporate them into music, I, I'd realize they're like, oh, this one has too many syllables. I'd have to like basically Frankenstein my own lyrics. So I think it's like, it's it's, it's an interesting perspective because like, um, I've known some people actually who sacrifice um uh, kind of melody just for the message i guess sometimes like especially in punk it happens a lot and where it's like you know the syllable kind of trips over to the next verse or something like just it's just a bit wonky you know um Mm. but i think it's like it's just so cool the kind of like uh means of variety and obviously i mean like you know uh talking about like your yeah your album like uh, sex money god i mean like you know obviously i i found it kind of like it's obviously very um you know kind of electro pop kind of uh, generally upbeat feeling but I think like the, the actual lyrics are very harrowing and you're, oh. it's obvious that you're trying well I mean it's obvious that you're I trying love to like, it. make a statement you know it's like I, I, I really get like um, I don't know especially with um, you know the songs with like allusions to Harvey Weinstein and like you know this is like yeah. it's it's very but it's like it's very important and it's very like I don't know it seems like um, I don't know people like people's concept um, like misconceptions could be like that kind of like um, 
you know, if you want to make statements, you have to make this kind of music and that like pop isn't the avenue for it or something. I, I don't know how to articulate it as well as I probably yeah, want no, to. But, yeah, uh, no, you're being very clear. But do you think that like, um, you know, I, I think what your album showcase that you can kind of marry the two concepts, you know? Yeah, no, I thank you so much. And thank you so much for men mentioning the, the Father Harvey song. That's yeah. definitely been for me my most, I'd say my most vulnerable raw song, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love a love song, right? Like I'm a sucker for a love song. I love dancing to them, but for some reason it's not really been on my heart to write them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I really agree with what you said is that it doesn't, you can, you can write anything in any format. There doesn't need to be, you know, I mean, it might, <laughs> my subject matter might not be picked up by everybody, you know, sure. yeah. <laughs> um, but I love, yeah, I do. I do love the idea of like, yeah, if I'm writing social, social commentary, it, it can just be wrapped up in a bubblegum pop rap. Like yeah. that's, that's okay too, you know? Yeah, and actually, I, I think like the album has like a really good team. I mean, of nine songs, it's kind of, um, you do three on sex, three on money, and three on God, um, yeah. And I was wondering, like, was that kind of um a concept that was um initially cooked up to get a true line through the songs, or was it something that was kind of um you thought of after the the music was all compiled together, or how did that kind of like team come into it? Yeah, it's a great, yeah. So the. The songs, I think I, I, I think I wrote, I think I must have written maybe like 15, 20 songs for the album. And then, but I'd never really released an album before and I hadn't really released the songs. Um, I just kind of accumulated over the last few years. And then I don't know, it's, it's an interesting question. When did the sex money God thing come up? I think it was, I think it was not this summer, but last summer. I got, I got laid off from a job and I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do this month? And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have, who knows? I might be Joan of Arc. I might be like some crazy <laughs> schizophrenic person. <laughs> I don't hear God's voice in my head, but I feel like, oh, sometimes, sometimes I do hear God's like, I don't know, just, just intuition. Right. Sure. So my intuition just told me, no, you have to finish the album and then, and, and then write a show about it. Yeah. And so that's kind of when, when kind of, I was very interested. I think the father Harvey, the father Harvey song was very important because I was, I was very, I'm, I'm very fascinated by this concept of false idols, mm -hmm. like the things we worship as, as a culture, as a society, right. And how, how that's, it's, it's kind of perverted us in a lot of ways you know, yeah. and made us focus on things that, that aren't, that, that are not actually conducive to happiness or fulfillment, but we just kind of think they are because it kind of, it gives us a temporary high. So yeah. we're like, oh, being, having money in my bank account or like being famous or being successful or having a sexy partner, like yeah. this is, you know, <laughs> then you feel happy for like a day and yeah. you're like, this is what's hap what happiness is about. And then the, the second day you're like, oh fuck, I'm not happy anymore. Oh, I have yeah. to get it again the secret you know and you're like you're like wait a minute um and so just really fascinated by this 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 part of the the bible where noah comes down and 
all the all the I think it's the, the Jewish people have like these false or the tribe of Israel has these false idols that they've started worshiping. And he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> That's not really God. Direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, direct quote from Wait, was it Noah? No, who was it? Moses. Moses. Sorry, Moses. Moses. Yeah, direct direct quote of Moses. What the fuck are you doing, guys? Let's get this shit together. <laughs> That's not God, you know? And he um, banged his staff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he banged his staff. Exactly. Um, so I was just kind of like, oh, it'd be it'd be kind of cool to have an album concept about like me looking for God in the wrong places. Yeah. Where do Actually, people look for God? I think what's kind of interesting about sort of like um uh, the kind of like uh, post two uh, sorry uh, post me too era is that um, I do think like there is a lot of um, uh, critical evaluation of a lot of the people that you know we once kind of like uh, deified and I think like there is um, sort of a, a, a kind of reevaluation of that but also I think like people are kind of I think coming to a uh, more of a realization that you really shouldn't deify anyone like no matter how perfect they might seem. You know? Yeah, that's such a good point. It's it's, it's like. I think a lot about, you know, fame and yeah, and kind of how kind of the, the, the people we look up to right now, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize like, like actors or, or singers. Like, you know, we, we all, we were all, we were all put on this, on this planet to be, to be creative, right. In the way that, in, in the way that we're moved to right um so i don't think there's anything wrong but i just i just feel like are we like if, if you look at the the people that people are obsessed with like are those really like the ones that are that are really the people we should be looking up to all yeah. the, like not that there's anything wrong with them but but it might be cool to to have an alternate universe where where there's the researcher for the cure for cancer <laughs> Yeah, who's, yeah. The most, who's the most famous person? I don't know who people talk about, and they're like, "What's up in their life? Like, what are they yeah. doing now?" You know. Um, well, sometimes I stress out. Sorry, what? Sometimes I stress out about that because I was thinking, like, I was actually thinking this recently, where uh, a study came out that said, like, something like Taylor Swift has like such an influence on kind of like uh, the potential presidency. And I was thinking, if I was in that shoes, like, that would be so much pressure. Like, where just anything you do can, like, so I actually kind of, in a way, like, feel bad for a lot of the people with all the influence too. Because, like, I, yeah. I can't even imagine having that power, like, where anything I say could potentially influence, you know, an election or anything like that. Yeah. It's really crazy. <laughs> Although, for the record, I do actually kind of trust Taylor Swift. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't mind her having that influence. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not to be clear. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Taylor's with, I know what you but mean. it is kind of like it's such a weird like position to be in, where it's like imagine yeah, just having that where, much influence. It's like yeah, where you're just like, or it was like me in China, and and you know, not that I had that type of fame, but I had you know some notoriety, and people were asking me about these big questions, and I'm just like, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not an expert in this. Yeah. You know, I'm just somebody you see on TV. It's very, it's, it's very interesting. This, this, maybe that'll actually, I don't know. Well, the, the show right now that I'm, that I, that I just did, that kind of is, is really exploring this concept of fame. Cause it's, it's really about us. There's be, there being something in our brain where we recognize it's, it's something about familiarity. Like, is it, I'm sure it's part of a developmental, um, what is it? What is it called? Developmental psychology or what is it called? Oh, 
um, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but, but whereas human beings, people who we saw the faces of more were safer yeah. for us or something like that. Did you say a pattern recognition or like kind of like that? Yeah, maybe something yeah. like that. So that fame, it's really about what, what it really is, is, is just about like, oh, how are we, you know, we feel like we know these people because we see them yep. often, Yeah, you know, <laughs> but we don't, we don't know anything about them, you know? Yeah, and even if uh, it is someone you're familiar with, you don't really, really know anything about anyone all the time. Sometimes you don't even know everything about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I think I'm the blindest actually to myself. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to talk, you mentioned um, the show there. Uh, to be correct, uh, this is the show with uh, Oprah Citizens Brigade, is that correct? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I did the show on Monday. Perfect. But um, the idea when you're making the album um, to make it a concept like that, or uh, was that again something that came after the fact? Yeah. So kind of last summer when I had that month of, of free time, I wrote the album and I was like, oh, I really, I get kind of, I don't know. I get, uh, I don't know how to say this in a politically correct way. It's just like, I go, I'll, I'll, I'll go to concerts or to shows and I'll just get a little bit, not bored, but I'll just be like, you know, when the singer is in between the songs, they're like, yeah. they're like, this is a song I wrote about my childhood and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like they're that. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that's such a waste. Yeah. Like that, that space, you know, could be put to, could, you know, and I really also, I just felt that there was something that I wanted to say with the album. Like I felt like, oh, I want, I want to. I want to kind of really put out work where that helps me process that this idea that I have to be anything or be somebody or do anything in order to be worthy and good and right. Like that's like bullshit. Right. So I, I just wanted to, to have music that, you know, and a, and a show that when people come out of it, they're just like, Oh, right. My I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool. Life is cool. <laughs> you know, ain't got nothing to worry about, you know? Um, so I don't know. So I kind of, when I was writing the album, I was like, oh, I kind of want, I kind of want to talk to, to just, I mean, initially it was like a whole thing. Initially I was, I was just trying, cause I'd never written a show before. So I was like, I don't know how this works, but I think it, like normally now I know that, okay, you write the show first and then you write the songs to the show right now. Yeah. I know that. But at that moment I was just like, oh, I can make it work. So I wrote this very long convoluted show about you know and which i still have hopes for but but about a girl who's born in a brothel who then becomes a sex worker who then becomes an influencer who then becomes an only fan star um yeah and I, I wrote that show and uh yeah and then and then of course you know i i, I brought a I, I brought a team around me and and um and they were like well what about if we do it this way <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know if we change it up a little bit like do you know anything about being a sex worker not really then <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe we can write about something different <laughs> <laughs> so what did the final product end up uh, looking like then yeah so i'm i'm yeah very proud of it but basically it's like a comedy satire it's like it's like a cookie dough of comedy and satire and farce and then kind of like the music is the chocolate chips inside yeah. <laughs> and it's it's um I love it I had a lot of fun writing it um it, you know it's it's basically this this character called Sarah who is a super narcissistic greedy like just the worst of any 
worst of any anybody basically yep. she's she's that person that you're just like in your circle of friends that you're like oh no here she comes again <laughs> and i didn't i didn't actually realize where the name sarah came from until my my one of my best friends was here and she pointed to like a painting on my wall and she's like who is that and i'm like oh that's that's my childhood cat sarah and then okay. i realized like oh i i was actually because my childhood cat Sarah was such a bitch. She was mm -hmm. beautiful, wonderful cat, but very, very food focused. Very, you know, so did, cat. like <laughs> cat, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. And and really, <laughs> the attention had to be on her yeah. at all times. When she wanted what she wanted, was always like, now it's time to give it to me. And so yeah. I I don't know, but I think subconsciously I'd kind of been kind of channeling her personality. <laughs> <laughs> For this role, uh, so but it's, it's like it, uh, the musical cats again. Exactly. <laughs> but more, it's a, it's like a more honest take on cats. <laughs> more honest take, exactly. More honest take. And I mean, I love, I absolutely love cats. And she was a sweetheart, but she was also a bitch. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to focus on one song from the album that is uh, someone there, which was kind of like I, I think it's it takes a notable um, kind of different um approach to the music than the, the rest of the album obviously it's more kind of a, a kind of soft or acoustic driven song i was wondering what was the kind of impetus for that particular song especially making it kind of the penultimate track on the album too yeah yeah oh man uh that song yeah i'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable here so my my sister um yeah my sister decided that she didn't want to she didn't want me in her life so that's kind of what I, I wrote the song after that happened. And at the at that moment, I didn't really have any family in my life. Um, and I was also, I was also, I'm never like, I was in recovery then. So I wasn't, I wasn't like as suicidal, mm -hmm. but I was kind of like in that point in that, in that space where I'm just like, oh, like I was still pretty, as we say, I was still coming off of my behavioral addictions. So I was going through withdrawal. I was pretty, I was pretty dry as, as, as we say in 12 step programs. And, um, I was like, man, life sucks. <laughs> like, life, uh, and I, I, gratefully, I don't feel that way anymore at all. Right. But, but I was just at that point where I was just kind of like, oh, I really want, and sometimes you've got to do that. You've just got to write a woe is me, poor me song. And, um, you know, so kind of the, I think the original lyrics were just like, oh, I, you know, I fucked it up again. Like everybody's gone. It's, it's kind of this thing of like, not understanding really what's going on, like really trying my best to love, trying my best, right? And the, your best sometimes just isn't enough, you know? Mm -hmm. There's just so much that you don't know. And then, um, God, you didn't promise that life would be kind. Yeah, I don't know where I, the, the lyrics, God, you didn't promise. You didn't promise that life would be kind, that life would be fair, but you said you'd be there. And I didn't promise that I would be good. I just promised I'd stay for as long as I could. Yeah, yeah, I don't, those lyrics just kind of came to me. I don't know. I think that was my prayer at that moment because I was a little bit angry at God. Mm -hmm. I was like, but technically in God's defense, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't promise this was going to be an easy ride. <laughs> and I didn't and and I didn't promise you that I was going to be an A plus student. Yeah. So here we are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that kind of like free associate free associating with the lyrics and kind of just like uh, letting whatever comes out comes out is actually kind of like I don't know it's 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 sort of I think 
maybe one of the best ways to write music in my opinion um it's it's, it's interesting because we we're kind of like talking earlier um we we're saying like how you kind of like start you start with the kind of production side and then kind of like work backwards and actually it, mm. well, i was thinking an interesting parallel is that that's kind of how you did a musical then as well you kind yes! of start with the music and then work backwards <laughs> so i think like when it kind of comes to, to the music aspect then so when when you kind of had those lyrics did you already have the music down or um again like has that like in that particular song i mean yeah yeah i mean i think i think that song actually i think i wrote i normally i just tend to write the lyrics by themselves like and i think i'm coming more into into a realization that oh i think i am a bit more of a like i'm half writer half musician like i just yeah. love the word by itself um and um so i think i i think i was just really in a funk that day and i was like oh, i just really need to write something about this so i think i yeah i think i did that first yeah and then and then i think then i wrote i kind of just wrote the chords separately yeah i kind of was like okay what's kind of what would kind of be chords that would fit under this kind of a thing yeah, so it was a little less of a of a producey song. It was more of like a like okay, let's just try to write a song. Yeah, well, one thing I always think is interesting when because sometimes I write in that mode too, where you're just like kind of like just getting stuff out, and then you almost look back at your own that you wrote, and you kind of go, "Shit, I didn't know I felt that way." Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I'm looking back on my songs, I really feel. Like, oh, wow. And I mean, I guess, you know, and that's what somebody in the music industry said. That's why we call it a record, because yeah. it's just a record of who you were at that moment. There's yeah. no there's no right or wrong or it's just a record of who you were, you know, what you were, what your values were, what you were interested in. Um, yeah, I definitely feel that when I look back at these songs, when I look back at Father Harvey, I'm like, oh, I have so much compassion for the girl who wrote that. I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, there was just so much. You know so much she didn't she didn't understand right like she wanted to overcome yeah um i think i've asked everything i have to ask i guess the final thing I'll, I'll just ask you is like what's your plan stand for 2024 we're kind of only in february at the moment so yeah yeah <laughs> um thanks for asking well i just i just did my my audition so my show was actually a 30-minute audition for ucb okay. um so just they have a six percent approval rate so just fingers crossed fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed. yeah that i get to, to make that show into a one-hour show um yeah. i think i want to write an album this year that's like just for fun it's just like something super airy and breezy knowing me it probably won't be <laughs> it'll probably be another <laughs> another commentary <laughs> but but we'll see we'll see what happens what comes comes um, yeah yeah whatever comes comes um yeah and then i don't know i think i want to focus but i think i don't know i think maybe this year i also just want to focus more on my friendships honestly you know i feel like i'm great i'm grateful i'm grateful for music and yeah and there's and there's so much there, there's so many different things in life you know that are that we just get to enjoy while we're here so Actually, just one thing I thought of there when, yeah, of when you were answering that question is, um, yeah, did you find, like, actually having been in the music industry for so long, did you find it kind of uh, uh, intimidating them when it kind of came to uh, time to actually, like, 
release your first record or were you kind of like and did you put much, did you put much emphasis on it because i know a lot of people who a lot of musicians really do put a lot of emphasis on their first records if like it's a big kind of declarative statement or something um, and yeah. i don't know how you felt yeah honestly i mean like i'm i just want to i'm just one of those tortured brained artists i just yeah. had to let it not get the better of me and i was just i mean i don't i don't I'm just, I'm just always convinced that every, I go, I, it's like, it's like the, this big ego, low self-esteem, right? So I go through phases where I'm like, my music is the best music in the world. Yeah. And then I go through phases where I'm just like, this is the worst piece of shit that everybody, anybody's ever written in the history of human, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like humanity, right? Um, so I had a moment, cause I had like, I originally, I wanted to do 12 songs. I wanted to do this whole thing with the record where in between each song, I kind of had like, like a narration or kind of something I love Beyonce, you know, with my voice, I feel all husky and, and I wanted to do that thing. And then, and then I just didn't have enough time. And I was like, fuck, I just got to release this. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I was just like, it's better, it's better done and out than perfect and in my computer so i think it did come out pretty perfect <laughs> oh that's so kind of you really appreciate you aaron thank you very much for your time i really appreciate this and uh best of luck with everything you have coming up thanks so much thank you for your time and uh, i hope i hope you have a wonderful wonderful sleep tonight even without a sleep pattern i will not <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay. all right well hopefully talk talk soon at some point this year yeah, but perfect thanks very much Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to that episode of postburnout.com interviews. If you liked it, please subscribe and stick around because we have plenty more like this coming soon.